Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hey, welcome back, tennis fans. Just a quick notice before you listen to this podcast. Unfortunately, the audio from my mic during the podcast did not record. So it's very, very disappointing, but we had to use the room audio. Hopefully you can still make it through and listen to it because it was still a great podcast, but it's just to warn you and just to apologize. We'll be back in the next episode and it will be sounding perfect. Anyway, enjoy the episode. Welcome back, tennis fans. Here we go, another episode of The Countdown. We're going to be talking in this episode about the WTA finals. We've got the final women there and Shanghai. We're halfway through. There's been some big upsets already, haven't there, JJ? Yeah, and as you can see, we're in person again for another Countdown episode. I've still got the shorts on. I'm sick of all the comments, so I'm wearing a blanket today. Plus, I'm slightly cold. Uh, But strap in. Get a drink, get ready, because this is the countdown. Novak Djokovic has won the Australia Open. 35 matches unbeaten. He's done it. He wins his 14th round of Gallup's title. Djokovic wins the tour final for a record equal in six times. Okay, so episode three, we're here to talk about the WTA finals and the people that have qualified. And we're also going to speak about the men's journey. Obviously, we've had Medvedev go out very early. He is now pretty much out of the running for year-end world number one. And Carlos Alcaraz, he's been through a tough match himself. He played against Dan Evans, and they seem to always have a fantastic match. Like him and Evans... I don't know what it is about Dan Evans. He sort of raises his level when he plays Carlos Alcaraz. And today, I thought it, it could have been a day where he would have beaten Alcaraz. But then in those moments, he's able to earn break points. He can't take them. What are you doing, Dan? Come on, do it for the GB. What do you reckon? Is there a mental block there for him? Listen, before we get into that, you've got into a lot of different tennis focal points. I wanted to ask you, Ben, how excited are you to be here on the couch today with me in person? The last episode of The Countdown, we didn't get to do it. We're back again together. Are you happy, Ben? I'm very happy, and I'm even happier that uh, you've got less skin on show today because <laughs> <laughs> last week we had a few complaints, I think. There were a few distressed women out there, uh, or maybe a bit hot under the collar. Well, the shorts are still on for those who are interested, but I've covered them up today, so my legs, you cannot see. Just box shorts, are um, <laughs> No, not that weird. But let, let's talk about some of the tennis points. You mentioned a few things. And I reckon a good starting point actually is the women's. The reason being, we didn't touch on it the last episode we did in person at all. I don't think we even did it in the other episode. And we, of course, covered the final the other day. We did a live watch along for a change. It's been a while since we did one. And Igor completely demolished Samsonova. Samsonova was playing so well in the build-up to that match. And in the final, 
it was just not competitive. It was one-way traffic. Samsonova looked like she was taking the match at the beginning to Iga, uh, but then, yeah, she fell apart and Iga simply didn't make a mistake. So credit to Iga. Um, but the big story, like you said in the intro, is we now have the eight players in the WTA finals. And they are, I can read them off in order, Sabalenka, Iga, Coco Goff, Rebakina, Jessica Pegula, Marketa Vondrausova, uh, Mukova, and Ons Jabur. Yeah. Good lineup. Yeah, very good lineup. And it's a surprise not to see in there. And it's the person we're going to probably speak about a little bit. This is Maria Sakkari. She's just outside, just on the cusp. And she is the, the alternate player who can get in there. We do know that there are some potential injury doubts. And I think Mukaba being one of the main yeah. ones on there. So I think that Sakkari probably will get in there, if I'm perfectly honest. I don't think all of them are going to play. It's a good chance for sure. But is she someone who can go all the way? Quite possibly. Reason being, I feel in recent years, we've seen, what, Garcia win it last year. We saw Muguruza win it the year before. It's never really the standout player of the year who wins the event. And what I'm sort of alluding to there is we're probably not going to see Sabalenka, Igor or Coco Goff win, and they'll be the three favourites going in. Maybe we're back in a close third as well with, with Coco Goff. I reckon she'll be fourth. And... I just don't know. It always has that feeling, unlike the men's, where on the WTA finals, I don't think we're going to see the top player necessarily win. I know Sabalenka in the past has done very well, but I don't know what the stats are, but I feel as number one, probably you don't win much in going into the WTA finals. It's not like the men's. It's not like Novak Djokovic or, of course, Roger Federer over the years. It seems to have a different feeling. Yeah, it does. It's uh, not... It's not that normal to see those number ones doing so well there. And it's just the WTA. I mean, this is what we sort of think in the past, what the WTA was like. It's, you never know what's going to happen. It's become less like that. And it's become more like the old men's tour where we've just had the big hitters at the top and like a big three winning everything. But it doesn't seem to work at the WTA finals. That's when it all sort of goes back to how it used to be. And it is a little bit more potluck. Will we see somebody come to the forefront? Has Iga now won a tournament at a very like pivotal time? Because she was sort of saying that she wasn't feeling like no, she was talking about year. next year. She was she's, she's given up on the prospect of well, Davis Cup's gone. She's out. She's pulled out of that. Yeah, and she was given up on the fact that she can catch number one now, and that's going to be her big goal to get back there. It's not been the best of years. She only won the one Masters event, which come in the last Masters event of the year. And I think she'd be a little bit disappointed in some of the performances in Grand Slams too. Of course, Ronald Garros is exceptional, a bit like Rafa. Uh, but the others, it's just not as impressive as the year before, is it? It's not. But I still think Eager, she's been really just fighting to get back to how she was last year. It's a, it's a nearly impossible feat. So she sort of made us all for her own back last year by being so successful. And I think it's only natural for somebody to have a dip in form after such a great year. And the dip in form is not even that much of a dip. It's just like you're losing a couple of rounds earlier than maybe you were last year when you were winning everything. That win 
just goes show. Do you see how emotional she was after the match? She was like in tears. She was. It was a real release for her. You could tell there'd been a lot of uh, pressure on herself built up because she just felt that she couldn't play freely. And now she said, I finally feel like myself again. I'm playing freely. And you saw the difference. She just absolutely steamrolls everybody. And she absolutely battered Coco Goff and ended her 16-match winning streak. Then Samsonova, who looked like no one could touch her, just, just fell apart. And Iga changed her tactic for that final. She's like, I'm not even going to try and hit that many winners. You try. And she failed. <laughs> and Iga won it just by being very, very smart. Could say one of the smartest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, go check out my video on who is the smartest tennis player. And when I mean by that, I don't mean at tennis, just very smart in general, having a high IQ. Yeah. Of course, you could do the same for who is the smartest podcaster. Um, and Ben's name certainly wouldn't be in contention for that one. But let's go back to the WTA finals. And we've got Juan Ignacio putting a tweet out saying 26 different countries have have had a, have had a player qualified for the WTA final since 2003 and no surprise Russia averages more than two players per year uh, despite Kasatkina being the only one that has played in the last seven still they only won it once 2004 and you can see the numbers here so Russia 33 appearances USA 20 Czech Republic 16 and you'd think that number is only going to grow in the upcoming years with so many good players Poland nine um, I can't even read that one. Oh, Belarus eight. Is that Serbia? Serbia eight. Belgium seven. France seven. Denmark six. Romania five. Germany five. Spain five. Ukraine three. China three. Japan three. Italy three. And I'm not going to read all the other ones because there's only a few. But <laughs> the big ones being Russia, USA, Czech Republic. Well, I feel like China would be higher up if it was the Olympics. And GB, because where is GB? That's the question. Where are we? In fact, I don't think we've ever had anyone in there. It doesn't look like it, does it? I mean, I'm not one for the history books, but I can't even remember the last time. Who was the last one? Sue Barker? No, we've not ever had one. one Look, you can see there. Never. Zero. A British player has never played in the WTA finals since 2003. Since 2003. What about before 2003? If there is anybody, let Was us there know. a WTA finals then? I'm not sure. Let us know in the comments section. I want to hear because we're always learning as well. And I'll do a little bit of research, but I want to see if anybody else wants to do some research as well and then pop it in there. Pop it in the comments section. We'll read it out as we will read out any questions that you send in as well. We will be doing our first sort of Q&A at the end of this episode, which I'm looking forward to. Yeah. Uh, let's move over to the men's, because you touched on some things in the intro which I want to speak about. Carlos Adkaz defeating Dan Evans. That's a big one. And the other one's Daniel Medvedev losing to Seb Korda. Was it first round or second round? It was def- definitely early on. I think it was... Was it second? I think it was the second round. Go to the draw. Go to the draw. We had a C. Or will you? Probably not. Normally it just comes up straight away, doesn't it? There it is. Second round. Is that definitely? Yeah. Yeah. Okay, cool. Is that definitely? No, no third a, round. We had a buy through, that's why. Yeah. yeah. Second, Second match, round. third round. Out to Seb Corder. 26 in the world. He's had his injuries. 
What do you read into it? Well, is he a little bit of kryptonite, uh, Seb Corder, for Daniel Medvedev? We know that he's beaten him before. Uh, if you can bring up that head-to-head, it'd be uh, good, just so we can just have a quick look at that. Yeah, so he's, he beat him the last time they played at the Australian Open. This year? Yeah, that was earlier on this year. And the time before that, very close as well. It was a... Look, I mean, look how close all of the sets are when they play. When he, even when he beat him, there's two tie-break sets in there. And I just think that Corder is one of those players. Everybody has a sort of bogey player on the tour. And I feel that Corder is one of Medvedev's bogey players. You don't get to see many players. Like, like you had a Vesely and Djokovic. <laughs> You've got, like, Corder and Medvedev, it seems. Very strange when you see someone like this. Even though Corder, I think, is an amazing player. The way that Daniel Medvedev's been playing recently, I'd expect him to beat someone like a Sebastian Corda. A strange result for me. I'm a bit disappointed in Medvedev. I expected him to go on and get to the final of this. Well, time. to win it. Yeah, That's I'm... not a lie, Ben. You had him winning it. Well, yeah. It should be a, it should be in the final at least for me. Yeah, you was very convinced with him. I have been as well. Uh, I know you said that he won't be able to reach world number one now, but I think it's still mathematically possible. I mean, maybe, but everybody has to just do terribly. Djokovic and Alcaraz have to literally fall off the end of the earth. I don't, I don't know if that's true, because I feel we've got some, a lot of points coming up with Paris and, um, of course, the ATP finals. If he wins the ATP finals, Paris and, say, Vienna, I think, I, think I think he becomes world number one. No, I don't think so. I think that he's oh, he's about 2,000 points behind, if not more now, because uh, Alcaraz, oh, he's, he's probably going to get to I the I guess final. it depends on what Alcaraz does at yeah. Shanghai as well. Let's, let's take that into consideration. If he wins it, then I think it's game over for Medvedev. Okay, well, let's speak about Alcaraz because he beat Dan Evans in what was a very close and well-contested match. For those who watched it, from a neutral side, would have really enjoyed it. And I think Alcaraz enjoyed it. Like, you could see he was very much getting up for it, smiling, and he was forced into playing a high level of tennis. There's nothing worse, I think, for, for, for Carlos Alcaraz sometimes, yeah. to just turn up and not have to play. And you know what I mean by that? Like, it happens a lot for him where he can just turn up, not have to play at the level we know he can do because he can still blow the opponent away. But today, he was forced to play good tennis. And Dan Evans, it just goes to show, like, when he plays like that, for a start, why don't he play like that more often? Why can't he keep the level as consistent as that? Of course, he beat Djokovic, remember? Uh, was it Monte Carlo that year? And we've also seen him push... I thought he played very well against Alcaraz at the US Open not too long ago. Dan Evans is a serious tennis player. Top 10 on his day. Why don't we see the level from him? Well, I think it was evident today in, in that match. He was 4-1 up in that first set. And not just 4-1 up. To be able to consolidate the break, he had to win one of the most incredible games I've seen in a long time. It was 19 minutes long, this game, between Alcaraz. And Alcaraz had about five or six break point opportunities. And Evans came through that and managed to get a 4-1 lead in that first set and still wasn't able to get the job done. And that's the real problem with him. He was able to get break point opportunities, seemed at will. He had like 15 40s many times, but he was going for the wrong shots all the time. He was going to try and go down the line when he should have just kept it in play. Or I know you've got to be brave, but I think he must know himself now 
like well enough to not go for shots when you know you've missed so many others and other breakpoint opportunities. Fair enough, you've got to go big on the first one, be safe on the second one to maybe Alcaraz will make a mistake. But he gave it his all today, Evans. His slice backhand was brilliant. That was what really kept Alcaraz at bay. And at one point, Alcaraz's drop shot was so good, Evans came storming into the net, got the ball back, but then collided with the net. It was one of the, it was actually quite funny. Everyone had a bit of a laugh, but he was sort of like tangled in the net by the end. <laughs> I didn't Go, see that. Did Alcaraz help him out? Yeah, yeah, he came to the net and yeah. then just like helped Duncan. They both had a bit of a laugh, but that's just how much desire he was showing today to even get to one of the best drop shots and still got it back for a really good shot, but the momentum just took him into the net. Uh, it was one of those things you don't see too often when a player can't stop themselves. Dan Evans, 33 in the world, maybe slightly higher after Shanghai. 4-1 up at one point against Carlos Alcaraz. He fended, fended off a lot of break points to, to get it to 4-1. Uh, but ultimately got broke back, went to tie break and then just didn't turn up in the tie break. Never looked in it at all from that moment. You was expecting then the second set to go, I don't know, more more dominance for Adkaz and him sort of to take it 6-2 or something. It didn't happen like that. Um, it started off with, did he get the break early doors or was yeah, that? Evans broke early in the set. In that sense, I got broken straight back again. This is the problem. And... He had breakpoint. You see that? As soon as he got broken back, he had four breakpoint opportunities to break back again. Yeah. And it's just one of those things. Him creating breakpoint yeah. opportunities was amazing to watch. He played so freely. I think it just highlights today what tennis is all about. And that is it's just decided by very a few points. Yeah. Tennis is always decided by a few points here and there. They can all play top tennis. Dan Evans can do it as well. But yeah, if you don't make them big points, you're never going to win anything big. You're never going to be known as one of the top elite players. You're never going to get to world number one. It's all about winning when it matters in them big moments. And that's something Dan Evans in his career has just not done enough of. Like you said, should have broke back again and then been in the ascendancy. Yeah. Got it all the way to 4 all, uh, And then at 5-4, that's when you need to show a bit of resolve and resilience to just hold it out and then... One match point, Alcaraz takes it and wins in straight sets. Um, and, and that's what sets up a really interesting round of 16 now in the Shanghai Masters event. The courts are playing slightly slower than we anticipated. Daniel Medvedev complained and referred to them like Indian Wells hard courts. I think he's. Uh, I think he's exaggerating. I think it's a bit of Daniel Medvedev doing the whole Daniel Medvedev. Um, the balls of... Drama. Well, save that thought. We'll get onto that in a minute. Uh, but let's look at the round of 16. So Alcaraz Dimitrov at the top with Jerry Schwartzman. Schwartzman, another one we should speak about quickly yeah, really because he's putting together some good results. Love to see this. I mean, I know that we spoke about. I can't remember if it was on the Eager Watch or not, but. Schwartzman, this resurgence from him. When I watched that match against Van Asher, I thought, I've not seen him try this hard or play this level for quite some time. And it gave me a bit of hope for him in this tournament. And then, who is it he played after Van Asher? Do you have the, uh, the list there? Who? Uh, Schwartzman. Because I know that after Van Asher, he had to play... I just can't remember off the top of my head. That's right, I'll get it up. You can be talking about... I've got it here anyway. So, yeah, it was Lehechka. That's it. So he's been to three sets three times. 
three tough players and they're getting gradually more difficult as you go. And you did well against Verev in Beijing. It's, it's a, Schwartzman's like turned the corner. Remember when we said at the, it wasn't the beginning of the year, but it was like a few months back, how Argentinian tennis players had fallen off the edge of the, of the earth. And there was buyers with, what was it, about 16 losses out of about 15, uh, 17 matches or something ridiculous like that. Schwartzman was on a terrible since they won the World Cup in the football, they're all, they've all got a bit of a messy hangover at the moment, the Argentines. Sarundalo was struggling too, but Schwartzman turned it around, beat Taylor Fritz. That's going to dent his chances for the ATP Finals qualification. Yeah, you were saying that on the last one. Well, time. we both did. We both was a bit critical of Fritz, and this is exactly what we were saying. I mean, you could probably put our clip of a few weeks ago's countdown episode and put it in right now, because we're going to say the same thing. Exactly. It's, that is the match you needed to win. Schwartzman, I've got to give him credit though. I mean, I, on these courts, I didn't expect him to be doing as well as he is. And he is showing something which is the thing that always was highlighted to me by you when you were first sort of showing me and saying, oh, he's one of my favourite players. That's sort of fallen off a bit because you haven't seen him play like that for a while. Now, if you watch him play now, it's like the Schwarzman of the rallies he's been having. He's just all over the court. He gets everything back and he's there right at the end. This is the one that was doing well at the in that year when he got all the way to, what was it, number... I can't remember what uh, his highest ranking was, but he got all the way to... I feel like, like he was... Was, was it top 10? I think he was top 10. That's what I mean. He got all that way, that high in the rankings from playing like that. And if, we, if he can continue that, I mean, he's not getting any younger. He's 31. But I still think he's got a few more good years in him if he plays like that. And he could see himself back close to that top 10 again. So, no, his highest ranking was actually number eight. Number eight, that's it. But that was 2020, so I'm not sure if that's the reason. Yeah, 2020. That was all the way back then when he was yeah, playing I guess it was. before uh, all of the COVID yeah. or just as it was all uh, sort of kicking off, wasn't it? He's currently 130 in the world, which is quite shocking. It's crazy. But his level is so much better than that. Yeah, but he's he's a bit of a legend for sure. Uh, let's go back. So we've got Umber playing Wolf, Paul playing Rublev. That makes up the top half. At the bottom, we've got Rude, Marazan, Hercatch versus Zhang. And at, right at the bottom, Sinner versus Shelton. Good match. And Sarundalo versus Korda. I feel Korda will be looking like he's got a real shot there. Is that your pick of the round? Pick of the four. I think he's the one who I feel could surprise them. I'm not sure if Sinner's going to have the legs to keep going and the mental. He's going to be a bit tired. And the slower courts, I think it's going to help Shelton as much as a Corder. I don't know. I like Corder from what he's done, just beating Daniel Medvedev. I think he's got a real shot to get out of that little bit. But let's speak about Ugo Omba because we both called him to lose um, against... Sorry, we called him to win against Sissipas. We, we, called, we both called Sissipas to lose more than anything. That was it. And that's exactly what happened. Ugo Ombe, the resurgence continues, it seems. It's brilliant to see somebody, another person. It seems like Schwartzman, he's having a resurgence. Ombe, resurgence. seems all these names that were sort of getting surpassed by these youngsters coming through, like your Sheltons, your Pauls, people like that. Now... But again, see the old guard come back again. I quite like it, even though Umber's still fairly young. I like I like him as a player. I think he's a really, really gritty player. Brilliant on indoor hardcore as well, and we've got that to come. So 
that could be exciting. Yeah, but let's speak about Sister Pass because he's not having a good time. Um, he's had four wins, six losses since winning the Los Cabos title. Um, not good enough, is it, for a top player? Is he going to fall outside the top 10 next year? I don't year? even want this to turn into like... The no, without doing that, but do you think he's going the way of never really competing for a Grand Slam again and falling outside the top 10, top 20, maybe top 50? I still think he's just... Or is he always just going to be too good to be in around I think he's top just, 10? His quality is just so... He's got so much of it. He's, High ceiling. He's, he's got the height, he's got the serve, he's got the game when he can handle like the mental side of the game. He's got that to get to slam finals. That's We know that. And I don't think that's going to change. It's just about... I feel like we're going to see Sissabas's journey is going to be like this all the time. I don't see it being any different unless something like dramatic changes either in his team or his life. or There needs to be something, some catalyst to change that up and down. Because at the moment, I don't know whether he's coming or if he's going. Ugo Omba, let's remember, is a player who does very well against big players, so highly ranked players, and also big moments. We've seen him in Grand Slams, lose sometimes a fifth set. I remember the one against Kyrgios, or there was another one as well where he's been a bit unlucky, but he went toe-to-toe with them. He's a big match player. He's, he does well. He's 3-1 um, and one versus Sissipas, and he's also 9-9 nine and nine versus top 10 players. So... That just highlights for me what Ugo Ombert's all about. He gets up for the big matches, which is, um, I don't know, a bit of a rare kind. You don't see a lot of players who are able to do that. So um, I think that is our summary, really, of the opening section, speaking about some of the results and, of course, uh, the women's, that being set with the, the final eight and the men's round of 16 uh, in Shanghai. Are there any odds out for the, the women's one yet? Or... Yes, let's have a look at that, so, I guess. I don't yeah, have it up, but we can have a look have, at that. Have a quick look uh, for that one. Uh, while he's looking that up, I'll just uh, remind everybody, if you could uh, go on to Spotify, if you're listening to us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, go on there, give us a five-star review, and uh, leave us a nice comment or review on there as well. It always just helps the channel grow. And do you know... I think there's about 70% of the people who are watching this that aren't subscribed. So if you're one of those people, make sure to hit that subscribe button as well. And the like button helps this channel grow. And we'll keep bringing you these countdown episodes every single week. Obviously, it's got a little bit strange at this time of year, hasn't it? Because because all of the timings of the events, we want to try and uh, do it as an event finishes so we can see the points, see the race. But as the women's has just finished and the men's will be finishing, I believe on Sunday, we will be doing the, the countdown again next Monday. So. Yeah, and unfortunately no odds because they've not been released yet. Okay. So we'll have to wait for that one. No. Uh, but let's move up or move on into the latest news because there's a few things to discuss. Okay, latest news. <laughs> so, what are we going to be speaking about today? This is where JG comes into his own, remember? This is my favourite section. I really do enjoy these ones. And I've got a visual uh, tweet here for you, Ben, because it's a video. And you get to watch a very special effort from our beloved Benoit Pet on the Challenger Tour today. Hopefully, you're allowed to play some of it because it is very special. And I know you've not seen it. You played Pedro Martinez. And this is some of the shots he produced. Maybe you can commentate 
live as we're watching it. Okay, here we go. Oh my word, what was that? Was that, was that a shot? No, no, so you're missing it. So let me do it again. So, Benoit Pair serves. Really good serve from him. Yeah. Martinez gets it back. Okay, that, okay. So that was just there we go. Right. And then Benoit Pair's... What's he done there? Yeah. Just hit it in the net. Just Good serve. Good serve. Oh, no, he's... <laughs> he just smacked it miles out on purpose. Then he's got that one back in. Oh, he's not running for that <laughs> one. Okay. And this one, oh my word, he smashed it in the net <laughs> a yard away. And this one, I'm not Look, sure. He's, already not. he's just up. sliced it into his own side of the court. Yeah. That one, good serve. Second ball. Oh, that is just That terrible. is just like it's one of the it's probably one of the worst performances I've ever seen. I mean, I think he will get fined for this. He's been that's throwing uh, Have you not got this is probably one of the worst things you've seen. Like I think with this uh, Benoit pair thing there. So he lost six love four two and then and then just like, think, he just gave in. Do you think this was today? This is a in Malaga. Pedro Martinez as well. Uh, somebody that was defeated, I think, by Jack Draper in a challenge recently as well. Was that right? Or it might have been a no. It was another British player. Was it Billy Harris? I don't know. Maybe look that up. Anyway, it was a British player beat him. Uh, it wasn't a hard court, so so don't. Uh, I'm not that surprised. Benoit Paire, though, back to him. Do you think that there's a little bit of? I know that he was giving it all the big him, and this was a few years ago when everyone was just saying that, oh, well, why can't you just take tennis more seriously? And then he was there on his yacht and the, or on a yacht, probably not his yacht, and just with his little speedos on, just going like, no, I don't care. Like, uh, look how much money I've got, showing how much his Wikipedia prize money was. And that. Like, oh, look, I won like $8 million. I don't need to, I don't need, yeah, I don't care what think, all of that. Do you think now it's actually become a reality that he's now dropped down into challenges. He can't just go into the other events, and now he probably is it sour grapes. He doesn't really care anymore about playing tennis and the challenges. I don't know. What's I, the point in entering if you're going to play like that? What a waste of time. I don't know. I don't know what to say to you. I mean, he's clearly got a poor attitude, and I don't think you should ever approach a match like he did today against Pedro Martinez. It is an absolute horror show of a bagel, where. It looked like he's trying to miss. Like he was, he's just walking around. It's such a poor look. And I'm interested to hear what you guys have to say about it. Let me know in the comments section, what did you make of Benoit Pair's performance? And why do you think he acts like that still? I mean, he's not young anymore. He's 34 years old, um, but doesn't seem to have much of a care. But enough of Benoit. I don't care. I give you money. It's okay. <laughs> there we go. Let's talk about something very topical affecting all of the tennis players. And that is the balls. Of course, it's a very fundamental part of tennis, the balls, just like the racket is. But the balls is what is in the limelight at the moment. It's in the headlines. We've got Gastiao Elias saying, I demand the ATP taught to pay for all the physiotherapy I'll need after playing with these balls they're making us play with. I've been on tour for many years and I've never seen anything like this. This is inhumane. You've got Tennis Sangrinins and I agree, never seen anything like it. Paolo Badoza then comes in on the conversation. This is all on X, by the way, if you want to follow. 
saying, agree, the issue is not only the ATP, unfortunately, with the WTA, we are both having the same problems for years as well. We need a change from both sides. We've seen a lot of players speak about them. I've seen Adkar speak about them. Medvedev often speaks about the balls. I'm not sure if Djokovic has. Maybe he has too. Really it doesn't nice. seem to affect him. I mean, you could probably play with a slab of concrete and he'll be all right. Um, or a golf ball. But what do you make of this whole situation with the balls? Do you feel the ATP Tour and WTA Tour have more of a responsibility to... Uh, Regulator. Well, yeah. What regulator number one? So you've got a consistent ball from tournament to tournament. I think that that should be pretty much a certainty. I don't think you should. Standard. That's yeah. That is the standard. That should be industry standard. This is what we're using for all tennis events. But then, do you not think you should then have a ball which is not gonna physically damage your wrists or elbows? It's just common sense, right? Ooh. Surely there should be some science behind the way each tennis ball is made. And surely the science should be in collaboration with maybe former tennis professionals, current tennis professionals, like regulatory bodies, people like that should all be in the conversation when it comes to the creation of a tennis ball. And if you've got all these different brands making different tennis balls and all of them trying to get a sponsorship or a deal for a Grand Slam or a tournament, they all should be going through the same checks and they all should be having the same regulations for each exact ball so that they aren't damaging tennis players and so that these players have nothing to complain about. It's just, and it gives the players another excuse, if anything, because if you say, oh, well, they're using the balls that I didn't really like, oh, well, that means that was an excuse for that loss in that tournament. Is that what's this? Is this a bass going out saying that? I don't know. Like this, is what I mean that like anybody who's had a bad losing run of a few matches could just say it's the balls. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I'm interested to hear what you guys have to to say about it, but it certainly has been something which has been doing the rounds, and I mean from I think last year, end of last year, definitely all of 2023. There's been ball talk the whole way through. What I want to ask you, JG. Is does anybody have the balls to stand <laughs> up to these people? <laughs> Medvedev's got the balls, that's for sure. That's right. um, At least he's gone. I feel like he'll stand up to anybody. Yeah, for sure. And even Sinner with his uh, cuddly toys. Yeah, but there we go. That is all I've got, really. For Donald Trump on there. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's all. I'm not talking about Donald Trump, but that's all I've got. All that was. <laughs> Uh, that is all I've got for uh, the tennis news section. Next up, we have Tennis Shootout. <laughs> right, Tennis Shootout time. And I'm not being rude. I'm not just going on my phone just to ignore JG. I actually have the question saved on here. Uh, just so that his prying eyes couldn't see my laptop, which is here, so I sent it to myself on on the phone. Um, so you you went first last week, is that yep, right? That's so right. I think that we've got to do alternating. So I'll probably be going first this week. If you are new to this, this is where we ask each other a question. Tennis trivia has to be about what we're counting down to, which is the tour finals this time, and it will be the Grand Slams uh, normally. But uh, this one will be about the tour finals. We have 30 seconds, put the timer up, 
and uh, I actually get 30 seconds on my phone this time, but I didn't do it though. Yeah, and you always ask me a question about the old ages. I'm hoping this one's a little bit more up to date. The Raf Underdale one last week was quite good, and I was extremely close. Oh, extremely close so i was i'm not that disappointed but i'm hopefully getting this one right today okay so okay here we go the first uh this is the atp i'm talking about okay. here so you know uh, serena williams okay. no that's it both back there. <laughs> the, the, the first edition of the tournament uh took place in what? 1970 but how many different cities has the tournament been held in since 1970? Go. Did Stan Smith win 1970? <laughs> Correct. <laughs> in Tokyo. <laughs> probably right. That's not the question. I know. You've probably just, got it in front of so, you. Right now. No, I don't have anything in front. You can see what I've got in front. Oh, you ran out of time. You had 30 okay, seconds. Okay, so, so Tokyo, ATP. China, uh, sorry, London, Turin, seven. seven. That's it. So, I have to take your answer. Six or seven. <laughs> <laughs> Which one? Come on, you can't have two. Six. Okay. <laughs> no, seven. Stick with seven. Anyway. I've got to be right. I'm putting out in misery. Neither of those oh. are even close. Really? Yeah. <laughs> it is. Tokyo, Paris, Barcelona, Boston, Melbourne, Stockholm, Houston, New York, Frankfurt, Hanover, Lisbon, Sydney, Shanghai, London, and Turin. Interesting. Yeah. Very, very interesting. I like the fact you had ATP as well. <laughs> oh, do you know what? I was, it's because I was... <laughs> Tokyo ATP was the same. No, because I was thinking when I said ATP, that was London. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I was thinking what? I know Tokyo was first. I think it was Stan Smith. But anyway, got it wrong. Tokyo, right? That was the question. So, my question to you is this, Ben. As you know, we have the ATP finals at the end of the year. There's also another event just before the ATP Finals called the Next Gen ATP Finals. There, there is a player who's won the Next Gen ATP Finals and the Tour Finals. But who is it? Go. The Okay. I reckon it's probably gone now. We haven't got time. So. I'm gonna go with Sisyphus. Is that your final answer? Yeah. Go on then. What years? I didn't know that was part of the thing. (laughs) (laughs) I think he won the the tour finals in was it 2019 or something like that. I think it was 2019. And the next gen finals. Yeah, and there we go. Stefano Sissipas. 
No, no, no. It was an easy question. You get half point. Is that easy? <laughs> no, you did well. Well done. Ben's got one right. Um, I think it was pretty straightforward, but I, I wasn't sure if you was going to know. I was just trying to go back through all of the people who had won it, and I was just like, trying to look at the uh, it's the, yeah, that's the thing. And like, then I'm like, Zverev? <laughs> that was my only other, other one I was thinking was there we go correct well done ben he wins tennis shootout i get mine wrong ben gets his right let us know in the comment section if you got both of them right i think the 15 one you probably wouldn't have uh but most people have got the sister as well yeah the 15 one it's quite quite tough to remember all of those next second come on you can introduce the next segment yeah the next segment it doesn't have a name yet but we're just going to call it q and a that's right and this one is where we get questions from you guys the fans if you're watching this and you want your question answered on the next episode of the countdown please leave it in the comment section of this video and we will answer it next week on the countdown uh but let's put it on the screen these are the questions we have for this week. And first up is Gene. Uh, and it reads, here we go. My question to you guys is, name five players, ATP or WTA, of who you guys believe will emerge as slam champions in the next decade. And will all... And will all of them go on to win multiple slams in the process? Five players. Well, I haven't won a slam before on ATP and WTA. No, just combined. So do okay. three and two. Yeah. Okay. You can just do all of one if you well, want. We together will pick five EV. So we'll come up with. No, I want your five and oh, my you five. You want me to have yeah. five and you to have five of each. Yeah. I thought that that's going to take a lot longer than. Uh, it's not until that long. Look, I'll put the rankings up on the screen so I can give you an idea. And I'll give you my name. So I'm going to go for, I think Ben Shelton is going to win a slam. I think he's got something a bit different. I think um, it's really tough. Yeah. <laughs> I think Zverev will win a slam. I think, young or not no, I think Holger Runo is too good not to win a slam. And if I go to the women's, this one you can go, I think it can be a bit more crazier, personally. Um, and I'm going to have King Ling Zeng to win a slam. Pick some predictable ones there. Is that predictable? A little bit. Okay, I'll go with someone a bit different then for the last WTA one. Oh, no, I can't. I'm going to go Mira Andreva. Yeah. I mean, that's uh, the obvious one, isn't it? Yeah. Mira Andreva, she has to be picked. Uh, the only person I'd say keep an eye out for at the minute is the girl who's been doing, another Russian girl who's been doing really well, which is uh, Kornieva. Uh, she, I believe she won the Australian Open juniors, and then she got to the, I think it was the final of the French? No, she won the Australian Open. She won the French because she was same as Novak, wasn't it? And then she got to the final, I think, of Wimbledon as well. So she's been she's an all-surface player, another young Russian player, and I think she's playing in Hong Kong this week as well. She's going through the qualifying. So 
quite interested to see how Kornieva gets on, and I think she could be a future Stone champion as well. The Russians taking uh, the world by storm. I think you just want to keep some of my ones as well to make up your five. I, there's definitely you agree problem. with a lot of mine yeah, but then you're yeah. going to stick with them so I think that's us answering the question the best yeah, way right. cheers for the question Gene uh, next one up we've got Sandra uh, and Sandra says silent fan here uh, you are one of the two tennis commentary channels I enjoy though I lean more to your channel for the entertainment value uh, most especially the players the player jingles or tunes was that mostly your voicing in Ben? Uh, main vocal and backup? Yes, it is. Uh, the question is, do you guys think the best of four sets format with a 10-point tiebreaker conceptualized by John McEnroe at the end of the fourth set is just as engaging as a five-set format? So, explain this to me, how this works. So, she wrote, I myself, being a woman... So it's just a, if it goes two sets all, you have a tiebreaker fifth. Five rating club tennis player, tried that for fun, fun of it, and found it to be challenging yet rewarding also. The Pro Tour and WTA Tour most especially can do it even if started from the quarters up to the final of a Grand Slam or even the respective Tour Finals. So what do you think though? It's quite an interesting concept though. I do quite like it when people throw out different ideas to try and make tennis a little bit more interesting and especially that like we've been speaking about how sometimes matches can be too long but sometimes matches aren't they need to be that long like when we said in there's been the debate like, yeah but this is shorter than a best of five because it'll be best of four with a with then a the deciding tie break right? the deciding set is a 10 point tie break just men's or for men's and women's are we talking about i think it's a both right I mean, if it is for both, I mean, it doesn't say. It doesn't clarify here. If, it, if we're just talking about best of five and re replacing best of five on the men's side with a best of four and a super, is it just as engaging? I think it is. Yeah. In fact, it could be more engaging because I've found sometimes in a five-set match, the start of the fifth set is a bit dull. Like you're just willing it towards the end of the fifth. Is this like nobody, nobody, nobody enjoys. The first three games of a five-set type of a five-set match. And what about? A, it's just a bit like you just want it to get deeper. Devil's advocate here, because similar things sort of happened in football for a while, and then they changed it back again, which was they removed extra time, and then they went straight for penalties. And the people were like, "Whoa, whoa, what's going on here?" Or they even tried the golden ball, where you scored in extra time, and it just ended the match. That didn't work either. No one liked it. And everybody wanted the elongated thing. But football is not as long as tennis. <laughs> and that's the one thing. Football's only 90 minutes. And with extra time, you're looking at 120 minutes, maybe a bit extra for penalties. With tennis, it could already be at the four-hour mark when you hit the beginning of the fifth. And that is the one thing. Are you keeping everybody on board throughout all that? And is it exciting enough? It is an interesting debate, and I quite like it. I'd like them to trial it, maybe maybe trial it at a Masters event or something. I'd quite like to see a final of a Masters event use this rule. Yeah, that's a good idea. Uh, we've got another little part to the question here. And lastly, JG, you said you were half a talent. Is this you typing this? or? <laughs> 
Uh, are you fluent in Italian yourself? Can you do a sample? Haha. <laughs> Keep up the good work, you too. Well, thank you, Sandra. Or should I say, grazie, Sandra. <laughs> grazie, of course. Sono italiano. Sono meta italiano. E te, lì, uh, siete sul divano, sei un po' stupido. 22. Fai zitto adesso. Finito così. Grazie a tutti. On Audi. Well, he went out today. But let's leave it there. Thank you, everyone, for tuning in on Spotify or YouTube to this episode of The Countdown. If you haven't already, please leave us a like on the video. Subscribe if you're new. Like Ben said, 70% of people watch, 70% of people who watch us are not subscribed. So please hit that button and we'll see you very soon for another episode and more tennis action. See you for it. That's a lot. <laughs>